Wow, 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 wow. What an introduction, man. Faith Church, thank you so much for welcoming me, Pastor Steve, man. That was so gracious. Uh, I am a little bit humbled to be taking the stage because there's so many great communicators here. And so for Pastor Steve to give me this platform to communicate God's word to you, I am so humbled and so thankful. Really quickly, though, can we welcome everybody that's tuning in online? Uh, man, thank you so much for watching us. We literally got people around the world. We know we got some Faith Church families out on vacation. And let's just be honest, we're a little bit jealous. If you're watching this stream uh, from the beach, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just a little bit jealous of you, but so thankful that you've tuned in. Really quickly, can we welcome all of our other campuses? Lawrenceburg Campus up there, Pastor Mitch and his team, and also Pastor Ryan over there in the Shoals. So thankful for, for them. Uh, this morning, I am continuing in a series entitled Back to the 90s. What's the big deal with the 90s? Like, what, what's going on? Uh, I, I was doing a little bit of research because you may or may not know this, but I'm actually the first person that's the real deal, right? Pastor uh, Adam, he grew up in the 90s. Pastor Steve, he was well established at this point, right? You know what I'm saying? He, he, uh, he already lived through the 90s. And so I'm the first real deal. I'm actually somebody that is getting up here before you today that was born in the 90s. But because of that, unfortunately, uh, my 90s were a blur. Uh, I was born in 1995. And so my short five years in the 90s, I had to do a little bit of research to figure out what's the big deal with the 90s. But more importantly, in this series, as we're talking about back to the 90s, we're not just talking about some cool things, some cool teams, some trends that were, that were big in the day, right? We're not just talking about some technological advances and some business models that we still celebrate even to this day, right? We are actually trying to get our minds to go back to what God's word says about who our God is. And this morning, I want you all to hear this because this series is important because if we can understand who our God is, what his nature is, what his characteristics are like, I promise you, it can start to open up a blessing in your life. Whenever you start to understand that the God that we serve, he is going to be our protector. He is going to be the God of justice that we don't have to do it on our own. And today, man, I got the great privilege to talk to you about this somewhat simple yet somewhat complex idea that we serve a God that's known for his greatness. So uh, in light of the 90s, right, I had to do a little bit of research, had to do some digging. Uh, and so I did the legwork for all you guys. You don't have to do it. Uh, I, I did it for you, right? I went and I read some literature. I tried to see what all these reporters, all these historians, what did they say about the 90s, right? Here's the question. What defined the 90s? If we don't say it was great, what defined it? What, what made it so great, right? This is what I ultimately found. There's two things that popped up over and over again as I was reading like, what was so big about the 90s? What, what's the deal with the 90s? And it was these two words. I'm putting them up on the screen. The first one is this word prosperity. Everybody say prosperity. Okay, y'all said a little bit differently. Whenever I was, I was thinking about this word prosperity, I couldn't say it with a straight face. Like, I kind of said it with a smile, like, prosperity. Man, it's even hard to say it because, man, it's such a word that's packed with so many good, positive emotions, right? What is prosperity? That's business booming, right? That's finance flourishing. The market is moving its way up a little bit different th than today's day and age, right? Your, your cash isn't just easy to spend. It's easy to make some cash, right? Prosperity, it's a, it's a positive thing. It's one of the things that actually marked the 90s. And I want you to know if I boil down this big idea of prosperity, it, it boils down to this, that there was success and there was ultimately strength right? In, in the financial world, right? Not just prosperity, but there's this other word. And it's this word peace. Everybody say peace. 
Now, I don't know what you know about peace, and I, today I'm not, I'm not talking about personal peace. I'm talking about peace on a grander scale. I'm talking about within our country, there was peace taking place. Let me give you a little history lesson, right? I know school's out, but all you people that's underneath the sound of my voice, everybody at our Lawrenceburg campus and our Shoals campus, I'm going to give you a little history 101 about our country, right? We've been around for a little bit over 240 years. Wow, America, that's super cool. But I I want to tell you a little bit about something we deal with a little bit because we are a nation that is united and we're seeking this thing called freedom. Unfortunately, we got to go to war, right? We got to have these conflicts and these disagreements and we step into a lot of different disgruntlements with these other countries. And so we end up going out to war. But I want you to know that the 90s was marked by peace, right? It was sandwiched between, it was like the meat between these two bread ends, of war. In 1991, the Gulf War ended. And as you all know, the war on terror and the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, all that stuff, it really kicked up in 2001. So there was this whole decade that was marked by peace. So you got peace and prosperity. What are those two things if we were to find the synonyms? Like if we were to do a little Venn diagram of prosperity and peace, what would we find out about the 90s? Why was it so great? One unified word, and the word is strength. Everybody say strength. So, I mean, I don't know if you need to flex with your neighbor or not, but the 90s was known and it was defined by strength. But here's the question I have for you in your life, because I don't want to just talk about the 90s. I want to give you something that's practical for your life. Everybody that's tuning in online, I want you, and I want to ask you this question because this is important. Man, why does it seem like the world around us, it celebrates strength, right? It focuses on strength, but why does it seem like in our lives, we feel like our lives are ultimately just defined by our weakness? As I was preparing for this message, I, I started to think through this idea that, man, we are ultimately people that are defined by the mistakes we make, by the problems we have, right? And no matter how much society wants to celebrate strength and say that we're good just the way we are, Right? Think about some of the ads that popped up in the 90s that were prevalent at the time. I don't know if y'all remember the ones where your favorite celebrity and your favorite athlete, everybody just really quickly, just help me out. I need a little bit of participation. Just shout out your favorite athlete on the count of three. One, two, three. Okay, I heard some Michael Jordans, right? Uh, I don't know who your favorite celebrity is, but back in the 90s, there was this ad campaign that was entitled Got Milk. Does anybody remember like whenever Shaquille O'Neal would have the big milk mustache or Angelina Jolie, like all these people that were prominent back in the 90s, they were rocking this milk mustache around this central idea of got milk. The real question and the real thing that this ad campaign was asking is, do you got strength? Right? Because if you got some calcium in your diet, right? If you're sipping on some milk, knocking out maybe with some cookies, I don't know if that's going to strengthen us. Yeah. I try. I try to eat some cookies to, to help my body. It hadn't been working too well. But what these nutritionists and what these dietitians have found is that ultimately, if you want to get some strength in your bones and your muscles, you just need to knock back a couple uh, glasses of some milk. And so, how does this pertain to our life? Right? If society is going to celebrate strength and, and push it on us, this morning I want to talk about weakness. You might think in your life, you, you don't even possess any weakness. But 
I just want to tell you, it's not a vague word, but it's a vast word. There's a lot of different weaknesses you can struggle with. Because I've been around the block, unfortunately, this is what I found out. Because I, I work in student ministry and I deal with the 6th through 12th grade, I found out there's a lot of you guys that have some problems in your parenting. Like, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you got some, you got some things going on at home, right? You got some children that are disobeying and disillusioned and there's a lot of craziness in the world around us. You might even have some problems in your parenting, but there's not just relational tension between you and your child, your son and your daughter. Some of the people that's underneath the sound of my voice today, you know that if you examined your life, you would find out there's some mistakes that's been uh, taking place in your marriage. And right, this is a picture of weakness, right? For some of you that's in this room, you would not just point to relational problems, you would point to physical problems, unfortunately. Physical problems that keep you out of the thing that God has ultimately called you to do and to live the life that God's called you to live, right? And it's not just physical, but mental. There's even social problems that we deal with, financial problems, ay, ay, ay. There's all kinds of weaknesses that come into our life. And you might be saying, hey, none of those things apply to me. You know what I do know about every single person that's underneath the sound of my voice that's in this room is that there's been some moments that you've dealt with moral weakness where you did the wrong thing even though you knew what, it, what the right thing was. You, you did the thing that God ultimately hasn't blessed and you went off the rails and you've demonstrated weakness in your life. Have you ever noticed how you start to do something in your life that you know is contrary to what God's word says? Has anybody ever noticed that online where you tell one lie and instantly you become a liar? Aye, aye, aye. Like it's not looking too good. It seems like I'm getting defined by the things that I've done, right? You, you talk about somebody one time and then what does all your, your, your friends start calling you? A gossip right? You abuse a substance one time. What does that lead you to becoming? An addict, right? And these things start defining our lives. And so the question today isn't, do you have weakness, right? Because across this room, I know there's a bunch of different weaknesses that's represented. So the question isn't, do we have it? The question is, what should we do with it? What should we do with weakness? This is what I found. I've been around the block just a little bit, and this is what I found out. A lot of people, they do what they, they could do with weakness, right? They, they, they found out a lot of different things with how they can manage the weakness in their life, right? I'm gonna talk about a couple levels. The worst level you can get to, and this is bad. Hey, nudge your neighbor and say, this, this ain't where you wanna be. This is a bad place to get to. The, the initial place is this place where you shun your weakness, Right, you can almost you can almost hear what society's saying. They're they're looking at this this group of people that's gathering in this congregation here at Faith Church, and you can almost hear where society's saying you are perfect just the way that you are. You don't need to change a single thing, right? You got it all together. And right, I'm all about some positivity. Don't get me wrong, I love speaking life over myself, but I wanna tell you this today, Faith Church, that there's no amount of you dismissing your weakness that will actually do anything good to remove it. And right, God wants you to do something with your weakness. And so this is something that you could do, but it's not something that you should do. Right, people shun their weakness. The next thing that people do, the, the next level up on the totem pole of weakness is that people, they end up becoming people that acknowledge what's wrong in their life and they become people that end up getting weighed down. You know what this is a picture of? It's a picture of shame. People are shamed by their weakness. 
right? I'm not gonna, again, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want to tell you, somebody that stand on this platform, whenever I was getting into ministry, you know what I dealt with a lot? Shame. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't shout it from the rooftops. I mean, I, I eventually came to this understanding because I was asking Pastor, Pastor Ryan all the time. He's a great leader. He's somebody that knows how to cultivate leaders and stir them up and push them in their call. And I'm so thankful for people like Pastor Ryan that has pushed me in my call. But if you would have heard some of the conversations I had whenever I was getting into ministry, you would have heard me say things like this. Man, I'm good at everything. That doesn't matter. Come on, I don't know if you feel that way about your kid. I don't know if you feel that way about your life that maybe you feel like you, you amount to everything that really doesn't matter. I was like, why am I great at video games? Why am I great at wiffle ball? Why, why am I good at all these things? Like, why can't I be good at marketing or writing code? Right? I'm great at all these things that really don't matter. Pastor Ryan, he was like, smacking me upside the head. He was like, Ty, do you not realize that all the things you're great at is what ultimately makes a great youth pastor? Like, wake up! <laughs> and this is what I need to understand, that I was living my life shut down. You should have heard me. I was saying, I, I can't do ministry. I can't, I can't move and be, like, I, God can't use me. Surely not. Can he use somebody else? See, I was allowing my weakness to shut me down, to shut me up, to keep me out of the place where God ultimately called me in my life. Man, I was ashamed. I believe across this room, there's some people that's dealing with that. And I just want to speak that, that life over you. That's not how you should deal with your weakness. And so what do people do after they, they get past the place where they don't acknowledge it all, where they acknowledge it and it weighs them down. And then you move to this next level and it's, I'll co-sign it. Like I'll sign the bottom of the paper. It's a pretty good thing. It's a place where people start to strengthen their weakness, right? They'll start taking some courses. They'll start, start sharpening their skills a little bit. Maybe if you lack some education, you go and you take some classes, whatever it might be. Maybe it might just be in your stature, right? I know I've tried to strengthen my, my weakness. Go to the gym, 6.30 in the morning, I go in there, you should see me flexing in those mirrors. I'm trying to show off my strength. Like I got it going on, like every single mirror, like I'm hitting the bicep curls, right? Because I'm somebody that cares about my figure over function. Like does anybody just go to the gym to look better? You don't really care about the health benefits. Is that just me? Okay, it's just me. So that's what I do. I try to strengthen my weakness. Again, these are all things that you could do with your weakness, but they're not ultimately answering the question, what does God want you to do? with your weakness. Because I'm somebody that's definitely dealt with it. I've been somebody that's been addicted to things that I'd be ashamed to admit from this stage. I've been someone that's known as being a liar through different seasons of my life. I've been somebody that's minimized my call in my life because of my limitations. And I've said, I, I, I can't be the person God used, surely. Because look at all this weakness. But what I found and what I'm gonna show you today through God's word is ultimately the solution to how you should solve the questions you have about your weakness. There's this man, uh, you may or may not know him, who's a pretty prominent character, right? Early on in the Old Testament, his name was Moses. Uh, if you don't know him, I'm gonna give you a little 
fly by real quick of his life. He was somebody who was born uh, in, in kind of a difficult time, right? There's a lot of uh, opposition coming his way, but thankfully, the Lord had his hand on his life. Thankfully, the Lord was his protection, right? We covered it last week. And last week, I promise you, you missed out on the root beer floats. You missed out on the car show and all those things. But more importantly, you missed out on the word of God because Pastor Steve told us that the God that we serve, he's our protection, Right, so this is what Moses, he learned about. He, he learned that the Lord was gonna be his protection, season in, season out. The Lord was gonna bless him with favor and just being with him. And so listen to this testimony in Psalm 90, because this is gonna tell us ultimately about how our God demonstrates his greatness in our life. Look at what it says. Y'all read this with me. It says, Lord, throughout all generations, you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, you gave birth to the earth. He was a poet and he didn't know it. From beginning to end, you are God. Now, what I love about this verse is that it gives us a characteristic of God, right? We gotta get our minds, we gotta go back just a little bit. What Moses is saying, I don't want you to miss it. He said that the Lord we serve, he's our home. And you know what? I bet Moses is a lot like us. I bet he built a lot of houses. He lived in different, a lot of different homesteads, right? He built the house of his strength and his education, the strength, the house of his career and what he could do and his ability and his gifting. And he built all these houses, but he found ultimately one thing because of the protection of God, because of the grace of God, that the Lord that he served, he was his home. Come on, across this room. Is there anybody that knows that the God that we serve he is our home, his, uh, his presence, his protection, his goodness, and his greatness. That's the one place we can go to reside. I love that testimony. And so we see again that the Lord's hand was on Moses' life up until the point where he gave Moses what we all desire. Now, you might not act like this is a, a real problem, a real question that you have, but God gave him a direct and distinct call in his life for him to fulfill the call in his life. Now, all of us in this room probably at one time or another has dealt with identity issues, uh, belonging issues, like how, where do I belong in this universe? Who am I? What's my identity? Where, where's my identity supposed to be found? What am I supposed to be doing here on earth? And God gave him a direct call. He said, Moses, I need you to be the deliverer of my people. Now, to catch you up with the story, the Israelites had disobeyed God. It put them in this place of bondage to the enemy. Now, that's a message for another day, right? Uh, we all know that disobeying God ultimately leads you to a place where you are in bondage to the enemy. But again, that's not the message today because we need to understand that God's hand was on Moses' life. He gave him a direct call. And so what, what do you think your response would be, right? If, if the Lord came up and he's like, hey, Chad, like, I, I'm going to give you a direct call in your life. What, what's your answer going to be, right? It should be just like you've heard it maybe in the 90s. That's whenever I heard it for the first time. But it's the, if someone asks you to, to jump, you need to ask them how high, you know, like, because if somebody's done something big in your life, you should want to appease them. You should want to do what they say, right? So Moses should be like, yeah, God, like, what do you want me to do? I'll, I'll go deliver. Where are they at? Send me. But that's not his response. Actually, we don't look at what, the, uh, what Moses said to the Lord in Exodus 4. Uh, read with me. This is a, a cool set of scripture that will show us not just how Moses responded, but how a lot of us end up responding. He said, oh, oh, oh Lord, I, I, I'm not very good with words. I, 
I never have been and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me, even though you have given me a direct call, even though you have given me your word, even though your Holy Spirit has directed me. I, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. See, what Moses is trying to tell the Lord is what we try to do. We try to tell the Lord all the things that we think he's forgotten, the weakness in our life, the problems in our life, the things that we think disqualify us. We try to bring them to the Lord and we forget that the Lord isn't worried about our weakness. Come on, somebody, the Lord up in heaven, he is great and he wants to utilize your weakness to demonstrate his greatness. And that's exactly what he can do. In verse 11, I wanna show you because this is the same thing the Lord is speaking to all of you in this room today. Then the Lord asked Moses, who? Who makes a person's mouth? Who declares whether a person speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? See, the Lord, he isn't, he isn't worried about your weakness, no matter what it is, if it's a physical limitation, if it's a, if it's a financial limitation, really, if it's, if it's a moral mistake that you've made in your past, maybe you've got some tension in your relationship with your kids or your spouse, I don't know what it is, but you know what the Lord wants you to do with it? He wants you to give it to him, right? I, I found this to be true, and this is what Moses found to be true, that if you want to find peace in your weakness, you gotta be someone that surrenders it. You gotta surrender your weakness. So uh, we, again, we, we see Moses, he steps out on this limb, he goes out and God performs a miracle. He brings breakthrough to the people of God, right? They break out of the bondage of Egypt. Hallelujah, they are free. Let's go, let's sing some 90s worship songs. Let's lift our hands, let's praise God. This is super great that we get to worship God because of his greatness, that he used a broken person, right? That this weakness became a platform for God's greatness. Man, that's super cool that that took place. But unfortunately, like I said earlier, Moses' whole life was defined by weakness. I wanna show you why the story continues because Moses wasn't just called to deliver God's people out of Egypt, but ultimately he was called to deliver God's people into the promised land. I've come to tell some people in this place today, the only way that you can possess the promise that God has on your life is for you to expose your weakness to the power of God. That's exactly what Moses did, right? We, where we see this man that was a little bit tongue-tied, God gave him his cousin Aaron and he gave him uh, a staff and we see that he goes before Pharaoh and God relinquishes their people so they can walk towards the promised land. But this is where the story picks up. It's another moment where Moses has a chance to expose his weakness before everyone else so that God can demonstrate his greatness. Numbers 20, verse eight, this is after Moses and Aaron, they were leading this caravan towards Gulf Shores. Okay, I don't know what your promised land looks like. That's what mine looks like in my mind right now. And they got this big old carload full of Israelites Moses is driving. He's like, Aaron, we getting, we getting close, man. And all these people, this is all they can hear. Man, I want to go back to Egypt. Are we there yet? I'm thirsty. Can you pull over? I need to use the bathroom. That's what all these Israelites are saying. Man, they're complaining about their whole life. They're complaining about everything that's going on. They're like, man, back where the shackles and the slavery was, we at least had fish and water. Right, and that starts sounding like a lot of us, right? We like to highlight the sinful times in our life, the place where we were ultimately in bondage, but we forget about the shackles. We forget about the shame that that brings. But anyway, this is where the story picks up because Moses goes before the Lord and this is what the Lord says to Moses and Aaron. He says, you and Aaron, this is Numbers 20, verse eight. 
you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. And as the people watch, I want everybody to read this next part with me. Speak to the rock over there. We're gonna read it together. Everybody check this out because this is an important part of the story. Speak to the rock over there and it will pour out its water and you will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. This is a big word, the word satisfy. Because what do we try to do in our lives whenever we try to satisfy others, right? We try to display our strengths. Man, uh, this is my ability. This is what I can do. This is what I got in my bag. I got this up my sleeve. This is what I can do, right? That's how we try to satisfy others. So let's look at this story. It goes on in verse nine. It says, so Moses did as he was told. Whew. I thought Moses was going to make a mistake. I really did. Like he, He's one for one. Now he's, it looked like he's going to be two for two. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. In verse 10, it says this, Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. And this is what Moses said. Listen, you rebels. So I understand Mo Moses got a problem with how he says things. I know he had a big problem with what he said, right? I mean, imagine Pastor Steve every single morning whenever he got up here to preach to us, he said, listen up, you rebels. I've got a word to say to you. So this is how he gathered the people. So he's already starting off on the wrong foot. He said, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water from this rock? In verse 11, uh-oh, this is where it goes down. Then Moses, he raised his hand and he struck the rock twice. Everybody read that with me. He struck the rock twice with his staff. See, he loved this staff. God has already performed some miracles through the staff. This staff is a picture of strength, right? He was comfortable. I want you to know that your weakness is ultimately just uncomfortable places in your life. But I want you to know your calling also is found in those uncomfortable places. It's not just in your strengths. It's not just in the things that you've had success with in the past. And so he struck the rock twice and it says, and water gushed out so the entire community and their livestock drank to their fill. Now, this is another thing that Pastor Ryan tried to tell me on the front end of my ministry, right? I was, again, I was ashamed. I'd made some mistakes. And Pastor Ryan, he tried to reassure me. He said this, and you, you've probably heard this before, that God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. Has anybody ever heard that before, right? Uh, that God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. And he can. He can use busted up and bruised up and people that's made some mistakes in their life. But I want you to know, I want you to hear what I have to say about this, because this is going to help you out in your life that you don't need to just be someone that God draws a straight line with, even though you've got some mistakes and some, some mess ups in your life, because God wants you to bring those mistakes to him. Man, he's called us to be holy, for us not to continue in the, the sin cycle that we've been in, in our whole life, where we have these identity problems and these insecurities. Man, across this room, I know the weaknesses, they sure are vast. But ultimately, God has called us to live holy lives, and he wants us to bring our weakness to him. And so ultimately, we see this is the result of Moses allowing this weakness to define his life. Everybody read this in verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land that I'm giving you. 
Now, this seems unjustified, right? Right? We're talking about how our God is great and our God is good. And man, he sure does deserve our praise. But man, he just demonstrated his righteousness. Man, just like we covered in week one, the Lord showed some justice on Moses' behalf. And so what should our response be whenever God gives us what we deserve? Right? A lot of us only want to celebrate God whenever he is non-just, right? For the grace in our life. But we need to realize that our God, he is a perfect judge. And right in these moments of righteousness, he's ultimately trying to show us who he is, that he is someone that's not going to overlook anything that we do. But I do, I, I do celebrate God for the moments that he's non-just and whenever he is just because he's still a perfect God in his judgment. He's still a good God. He's still a God that ultimately gives us grace. He is a great God. And I've experienced that in my own life. But right here, we're gonna look and see what Moses' response was because I believe he's trying to give us a warning today with how we should walk with our weakness. Let's pick this up in Psalm 90, verses 10 through 12. Everybody read this with me on the screens. It says, 70 years are given to us. Some even live to be 80, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome that the fear that you deserve. You know, this sounds like somebody that's been through some things, who's ended up, their life was defined by the weakness that they had, a moral weakness where they made a mistake. This seems like somebody that's experienced what God's wrath looks and feels like. But this is the good news. In verse 12, I believe Moses is trying to tell me and you something today with how we can deal with our weakness. Verse 12, it says, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. So we can either continue down our path where our weakness will expose us to God's wrath, or we can be people that expose our weakness to the light of Christ so we can grow in wisdom. Come on, does anybody want to grow in wisdom? Man, I, I, I'm, I'm thankful today because the Lord gives us a way to grow in wisdom. And this is what the apostle Paul had to say about how we should deal with our weakness. I believe he's wanting to give me and you some wisdom today. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. The Lord responds because Paul had some weaknesses in his life. They were relational weaknesses. He said there was a thorn in his flesh. And this is what the Lord said. I believe he come to say, say this to every single person underneath the sound of my voice. My grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Come on, somebody. That's what our Lord does, right? In the midst of our weakness and our problems, and our mistake, the Lord has enough grace and is enough for me and for you, right? Paul, he said, man, I'm willing to boast about my weakness. I'm willing to expose it to others and essentially expose it to God. See, this is the one thing I've come to tell you today because we are people that love to display to the world our best and what we can do and, and our talents and our giftings. But unfortunately, that's not where God's greatness wants to show up in your life. Because if you have all the strength in the world, you don't need a savior. If you got all the strength in the world, why would you need God to come into your life? Like if your life is just riddled with all these great talents and abilities and financial success, and I'm thankful for all those things and God can still use them. But I've come to tell everybody in this room today that God wants to demonstrate his greatness through the place in our life where we have lack where we do have weakness, where we do have problems so that his 
power can be on display. This is what I've come to tell you today. Jesus didn't come to bless your best. He came to work in your weakness. That's what I've found in my life. That's what Moses found in his life, that ultimately there's a way to grow in wisdom where we don't just be people that tuck away our problems, but ultimately we bring them before God. We bring them before others. We might even boast about them from time to time because that's how your testimony is built. Whenever you're someone that's willing to say, hey, I've got some problems, but God intervened and look at how he moved. And now that, that mistake in my marriage, God has re, recultivated our, our, our relationship. Man, there's some tension in my relationship with my kids, but because of God, he has brought us back together. And because of my weakness, I've seen that the Lord that we serve, he is great and he is powerful and his grace is enough. I see all the time people posting online, right? And I come to speak to some people that might feel alienated, that your life isn't measuring up to the people around you because you're looking on social media. But all you're seeing is their strengths, right? You're seeing the, the great lawns. Like I'm a little bit jealous of some of y'all's lawns. I've had to get an irrigation system figured out. My yard's been browning up. Right, I've seen some people's houses. I've seen the boats that people are posting. I've seen the success your kids have had in AAU and travel ball. And they've been to all these camps and, and, and they're the captain and they're super cool and they're swishing three pointers, right? And they're hitting home runs. They're striking people out. That's super cool, right? We like to celebrate those things. But I haven't seen a whole lot of posts in this hot and humid and sweaty and muggy summer about anybody posting about how great their AC is. People ask all the time, like, why would God want to demonstrate his greatness through my weakness? Well, this is a principle we all know, but it's ultimately this, that greatness is best displayed in the presence of its absence. Let me, let me break that down, right? Because the, the air conditioner, you aren't gonna post about it until you realize that your house is 92 degrees and you're sweating and you're throwing off all your clothes and you're hitting an extra layer of deodorant, right? Because things starting to smell and starting to stink up in your house, right? You don't celebrate your, your AC. So you might wonder why, why does God allow for our weakness be a platform for his greatness? You know why? Because whenever we realize that there's a problem in our life, that ultimately is a place where God can show up. So that's why we worship God for his greatness in the midst of our struggle and our pain, because we don't realize how great he is unless there's a void of greatness in our life. So that's why he wants to come in. That's why he wants you to expose the problems in your life. And again, I, I don't know what you deal with. I don't know what your problem is. I don't know what your disconnect is in your walk with God, but I do know one thing. He wants to use your life as a platform to demonstrate his greatness. Right. He, wants to, he wants to show off to the world how strong he is. So this is the two options across this room. You can either be someone that allows your weakness to expose you to the problems and the turmoil of life, or you can be someone that allows your weakness to be a platform for God's greatness. So across this room, we're gonna pray this morning. I, I want you to know there's a response, right? God's word's clear that you just need to bring it before him. Maybe you need to bring it before some people that you do life with. So I'm gonna pray for us. So across this room, will you bow your head and close your eyes? 
Maybe you're dealing with a weakness in your life. It might be overwhelming. Maybe you've tried shunning it. Maybe you've been ashamed by it. Maybe you've tried strengthening it. But today, the call in your life is to surrender it. Surrender your weakness. So God, as we come before you, God, today, you know our weakness. God, you know our problems. God, you know the mistakes we've had and the problems we've, we've been walking in. But Lord God, we thank you so much, God, for your great power. God, that you want to display through our lives. So our God, I pray today there'd be some people that would hear this, this warning from Moses, that we can grow in wisdom, that we can expose our weakness. And God, you can come and work in our lives. God, we thank you for this word. God, I pray that there'd be not a single person that would leave this room today, God, not exposing their weakness of sin to you, Lord God, because we know we need you to be our savior. So God, we thank you, God, for your great grace your great name, God, because we find refuge in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...